The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com Writing Excuses. Season 14. Episode 31. This is Writing Excuses, cultural setting as conflict. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. I'm Howard. I'm Mahatab. And uh, cultural setting is conflict. Just a little preface here. Um, this is using my definitions for world building. I define physical world building as all the stuff that exists if human beings or sapient races were not around, and cultural setting is all the stuff that they create. I, I think I announced that last month too, but just so you know, when I say cultural setting for this um, particular podcast, we're talking about all of this, religion, uh, linguistics, um, economics, all of this stuff. We want to talk about how to put your characters in conflict with their setting and with their culture. Um, obviously, this is one of the great ways to tell a story. In fact, I think every story that I write has some aspect of a character in conflict with their setting. I think the easiest place to start with this is, uh, is to look at the conflict as um, either a desire to move or a resistance against being moved. For instance... If you are a member of the wealthy class, you do not want wealth to be redistributed because that is moving you into a different place. Uh, if you are impoverished, perhaps you want to move into a different class. Um, those two work within whatever framework of the culture uh, may exist. Uh, I mean, whether it's economic or gender or racial or multi-species or whatever— uh, I want to move or I, I, someone is trying to move me is one of the easiest ways to define the conflict. Uh, and the other, the other big one is I don't like the way this is built. I want to change it so that everybody can move uh, or nobody has to move or something. Right. Putting your ideals in conflict with the actual reality of the yeah. system. Mm -hmm. um, you know what? The very fact, just from personal experience, the very fact that I'm an immigrant in Canada is straight away a cultural conflict because there are certain things that I am used to doing in India. There are certain traditions that we follow, certain norms. But take that out and put me in a, in a North American setting or a Canadian setting. And all of a sudden, I want to follow certain things, but I cannot. So, I mean, just, you know, 
for example, I love cooking Indian food. Um, when I first came to, to Canada and, and the winters were cold, I would cook with the doors closed. Um, and I'd be smelling like a day-old samosa, maybe a week-old samosa. And then you'd go out into the world and you'd have people just, you know, kind of, you know, and I was nose blind, but people would wonder, you know, does she not Why know what she's smelling? <laughs> and it took me a while. I mean, I had to get onto an elevator with someone else who was a more, lot more fragrant than I was till it, I, it hit me saying, so... The fact is I can still cook Indian food, but even in the midst of an Ontario winter, I have to have all the doors open and all the windows open, not the doors, all the windows open, proper ventilation. And then, so it's just like, the fact is that you can have conflict. Um, if you just take someone who's used to following a certain cultural norm, put them in a different setting and that's it. And also with kids growing up, when um, especially the kids are young, the parents are not very well educated or not very well integrated into a certain culture. And they are still holding to the old norms, whereas the kids who are growing up are now influenced by the culture that they're growing up in. And they are treading a very fine line between what should I follow because this is what my parents want and this is what my friends and teachers and everyone are doing. And it can be huge. I mean, I've yeah. seen a lot of teens go through a lot of anguish because of that. There was a really cool movie a couple years ago, and I can never remember the title of anything, sorry, uh, that was about a group of Korean-American teenagers, all of them first-generation Americans, who, um, were, who went to like a cultural summer camp. Their Korean families are like, you need to know about our culture from back in the old country, so you're all going to go to this thing. And it was just fascinating to watch that whole dynamic play out as they were trying to embrace their roots while also stay true to who they had become. And uh, there's a lot of cool, compelling stuff that can be pulled mm -hmm. out of this. Is it called soul searching? Yes. I just Googled soul it. Soul searching, yes. soul being the pun. Mm -hmm. ha, ha, ha. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I. it's interesting to think about this because um, nobody 100% represents all aspects of their culture. None of us do, which is this weird thing to think about in that there is this nebulous sort of culture, right? Whichever, whichever set of culture, religious culture or whatever, society. Um, and there's nobody that is that thing. We are all not aligned exactly to everything in that culture. And so we're all going to be slightly in conflict with our culture. There's not a person who isn't. We're just going to be in conflict with it in different ways. Um, and... I think as writers, sometimes we want to make this the main conflict of a story. And sometimes it's appropriate to do so. Sometimes, you know, um, this is what your story is about. But I think in every story, these sorts of things are what's are the, the sorts of things that are going to make your characters become well-rounded and feel mm -hmm. real. People often ask me, how do I make well-rounded characters? And our kind of cliche but true responses don't write them to a role in a story, write them as they are and make the story kind of come along and make things messy for them. And I think this is the way that one of the ways you indicate this is these characters are going to be having friction with their society and culture even before whatever the main plot of your story is comes mm -hmm. along and smashes into them. It's not uncommon. I say it's not uncommon. I, I can't actually think of any examples off the top of my head, but you have a protagonist whose motivation is, you know, I want to fit in with my family or, you know, I want to, uh, I, I want to get a promotion. It's, it's, it's very cultural, 
but then they are thrown into an adventure that has nothing to do with fitting in with their family or getting a promotion. And at the end of the adventure, they have changed or their family have changed or the corporation has changed and they have the thing that they need. And so the cultural conflict there is not necessarily what's driving the story, but it's what's grounding us in the character. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the books I talked about last month, A Memory Called Empire, um, like I said, it's a political story and it's a murder mystery, but uh, the main character is an ambassador from one tiny nation who has gone to this massive empire. And what's fascinating about her attempt to fit in is that she loves their culture. And so it specifically kind of has this subplot in there of, you know, you're the big evil empire that's trying to consume my little nation, but I love your art and I love your your stories that you tell and I watch your TV shows all the time. And it added a really interesting dimension of that cultural conflict. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Let's go ahead and do our book of the week. Right. And so the book of the week that I'd like to recommend is one that has been written by yours truly. It's called Mission Mumbai. And This is a story of a friendship between two boys. One of them is an Indian, uh, Rohit Lal. One of them is an American, Dylan Moore. And they have a friendship that is based on their love of reading fantasy novels. Uh, But it's a very fragile friendship. And when they take a trip to India, uh, that is when they realize uh, that there is a certain amount of jealousy involved. Their friendship is not as strong as they expected it to be. But one of the reasons that I love, um, you know, having written the story is that I take someone from a North American culture and put him into the Indian culture, which is just as alien as having gone gone to a totally different place. And I I, I give all of both the boys uh, certain problems. And it's only when, and their friendship is stretched really, really thin. And it's only when both the boys decide to put aside their own issues and help one another is when their friendship becomes a lot stronger. So it's, um, you know, it's a coming of age. It's a friendship. It's a loyalty story. But it's also a fun way of exploring India, uh, you know, from your own room. And uh, Less expensive than plane tickets. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. So That's Mission Mumbai. Mm-hmm. Um, for this podcast, second half, let's kind of try to drill into the the why or the hows, the uh, the, the nitty gritty details of how to use conflict with culture as plots in your stories. And I'll, I'll give an example. Um, oftentimes, I I notice that in films and in books, one of the things you do at the beginning is show the character not fitting in. 
as a method of showing what their kind of arc is going to be. They're the, mm-hmm. the, the person that doesn't fit in to their society. Um, uh, taking, you know, classic Disney movies. If we look at Mulan, Mulan doesn't start with her um, out, you know, sword fighting. It starts with her not fitting in to the society of gender roles and um, the marriage rituals and things that she's expected to participate in as a way to reinforce that she's kind of outside her culture so that when she leaves to go do something very different from what someone else in her situation would do, you believe that she would do this because she obviously doesn't quite fit in. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, the whole story is about this idea of the person who doesn't fit in being the one who saves the society. And you see this used a ton. It's a really great story archetype. Um, it's used in Dragonlance. It's used in a lot of different stories. And it's one of those ways you can use someone in conflict with their setting mm-hmm. in a small way to inform your entire story. Um, we, we talk about uh, uh, sensory writing quite a bit. Um, you know, Mahatab, you described the way you smell, you know, when you've been cooking. Uh, the, the smells of things, the, the, uh, the colors of things, you know, when, when you are uncomfortable with a culture, uh, if you've been dropped someplace where you are not comfortable, which of your senses are uncomfortable? Which, where are you feeling the conflict? Is it because it's too loud? Is it because it's too quiet? Is it because it doesn't smell like you want it to smell? Is it because the flavor of the food that makes you comfortable just isn't available anywhere? Is it because you're one of those people who is genetically unable to appreciate cilantro? Uh, Because there's a group of people for whom cilantro is just terrible. And these sorts, and Indian food, which I love, and I love cilantro too, has lots of cilantro (laughs) in it. And so you've got this whole class of people who are genetically unable to appreciate the thing that uh, uh, that you cook, Mahazab, um, those senses are a great way to ground us in a character's fitting in or not fitting in. Um, you know how much you love the smell, how much how much you you love the color, how it feels like being embraced uh, to all your senses. You know, one of the things that I also felt or experienced when I came here is that there is a whole unspoken language, which is just by looks and um, gestures and some things that are, I mean, just to give give an example, whenever you start a conversation, now I'm not saying that it's not done in India, but over here, you discuss the weather a lot. In India, all you have is rain and heat. So you really do not open a conversation with, oh, we're having a really nice day today. So when I was doing sales and I was on calls, I would be like, hello, I'm calling from so-and-so and just wanted to talk to you about X, Y, Z. And I was told, no, 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 you're supposed to talk about the weather and this and, you know, a TV series going on or something, you know, or, or a little bit of the news. Mm-hmm. And so the thing is that, you know, in in terms of making the, sto- uh, the story or the character a little bit more layered, it's not just the sensory, which is very, very important, but it's also the unspoken stuff, the, the you know, the, the norms that the culture that you're in follows, which is not quite what you do. So there are lots of clues that you have to pick up, uh, which are not, which sometimes may be told to you, but sometimes you just have to observe. And it took me a, at least a few years of observing 
of what we are being corrected or being told that this is what you're supposed to be doing. And again, I had no idea about time zones. I remember calling someone at six o'clock in the morning from the <laughs> East Coast to the West Coast and like, hi. And I'm like, and he says, do you know it's six o'clock? And I'm like, why did you pick up the phone then? <laughs> so. When I went to, uh, to Korea for the first time, the thing I kept getting in trouble with is Americans can be very casual with how they give things to one another, which is mm-hmm. nothing, something I hadn't ever thought about. But in Korea... Um, uh, a lot of people expect you, if you're going to give something, just like if you say, hey, you know, pass me a roll, that you're going to hand it and present it to them as a gift uh, with two hands. Two hands, two yes. Hands two hands and yeah. uh, kind of respectfully. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whereas Americans would be like, hey, roll. roll. And, you know, <laughs> um, and I did that to someone. They're like, um, I'm like, hey, roll and threw it. And they were like, hugely offended and you know this wasn't a teenager my age but that is just not something Something you do um in that culture and it was one of those things i had to really get used to um the kind of casualness versus respectfulness i have to remember not to ask anybody to pass me the bread in nebraska yeah (laughs) without without having my eyes just throw it at you the asian market where i shop even the receipt Mm -hmm. they will pull it out they'll rip it off the thing fold it, and hand it to you with two hands because Mm -hmm. that is how you're supposed to do it. One of my very favorite cultural stories is a TV show called The Americans. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. It's uh, Soviet spies, sleeper agents living in the United States in the 1980s. And so every episode has like an espionage story, but the overall story it's telling is how do these people who are like trained, practically brainwashed to hate America, how do they live and fit in and look and act like Americans. I grew up during the 80s, and I would not want the job of <laughs> fitting in in the 80s. It, oh, it's man. just a really compelling thing. And, and you know, they're doing a lot of the stuff that we're talking about where they will confront situations where they would do something the way it would be normal to them. You know, obviously, they've been, they've been trained in, in American culture, but it comes off wrong or they react the wrong way to something and they have to remember, oh, no. I'm American. I have to treat this like an American, not like a a Russian. And it's just really, really interesting and really well done. There are a lot of cultural uh, dialect sorts of things, whether it's jargon or, uh, or, you know, just dialect things. Um, In the UK, just now means, you know, immediately prior. Uh, What was that noise? A bookcase fell over just now. In South Africa, just now means uh, really soon, about to happen. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm or not not really soon, but kind of soon. Yeah, I'll be there just now. I'm on my way. I'll be there just now. Are you in a hurry? Uh, okay, fine. I'll be there now. Now. Okay, oh. I like now. Now as a construct, and when I first heard it, I thought, well, that's brilliant. I that's a great way to say, you know, ASAP. Mm-hmm. Um, but these sorts of things, if if you don't, you know, I don't want to cross over too much into the uh, language discussion we'll be having later. Um, but there have been a lot of times, especially online, where I'll participate in an online chat about a game and realize there is a jargon here. Somebody just threw a string of characters and they are very clearly making a request and I do not know how to respond because there's like six acronyms in there and I don't know what any of them stand for. I would just like to say here that, you know, conflict with your culture is important, but don't make that the the focal point of your story. Just use that to flavor it, to add, you know, 
layers to the plot which will make it richer. But don't make that the focus of the story because that would be too kind of cliched or stereotyped and you're just going to end up going a, a very predictable path. But use that to just enrich the narrative. So we are out of time on this, but we will come back later in the year and do an episode on world building, culture, and mores. So you can look forward to that. I have our homework this week. Um, I'm quite tickled with this one. I want you to clone yourself and make an entire planet of clones, of you. And I want you to decide what the culture would be like if everyone on the planet were you. And then I want you to create a trading post with this planet um, where people off-world who are not you have to trade with you and what they have to go through in order to make trade deals with an entire planet of yous. It's going to be a war and my planet's going to get wiped clean very, very quickly. Galaxy will decide we can't let this planet hang nope. around any longer. I am going to try that prompt. <laughs> this has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production, jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.